Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters 45 and 46 of A Court of Thorns and Roses for the last time. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I thought that no one could fix me. How has your week been? Frustrating. I look forward to Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals because right now when we're recording this, it is right after Thanksgiving and I look forward to those deals to help me get the presents for my child and my spouse and my siblings, my 5 million siblings and my parents and my spouse's 5 million siblings and... It helps us, you know, because it's a lot easier to get all those things at 50% or more off. Right. But no, this year, the highest discounts I think I saw were like 25%. So like a regular sale. It doesn't count as a Black Friday deal in my mind. And then to come to find out, a lot of these stores were raising the prices so that when they quote unquote discounted the price, it was just the original prices. I did see that. <laughs> I don't know who in the corporate world for Black Friday thought this was going to be groundbreaking, but I would much rather just get nothing for Christmas. The gift this year is me, you guys. You're welcome. But I'm not playing these games. So I've been very frustrated <laughs> with all of these stores. And, you know, I think I'm just going to stick with some of the small business getting my support rather than all these greedy companies. That's how, so I'm frustrated. That's that's how my week has been. I got a Black Friday deal. I got one good one. Okay. It was the fact that I got a Kindle and I got a Kindle for 40% off. That's good. I'm very excited about it. So at least there were some deals, but also, (laughs) wait, this might be it. It was Amazon IT. So Italy's Amazon. So maybe Italy was down with the sales. Good for Italy. No, no, for real. Like I'm happy for Italy then because American deals have left me very irritated. I did see that. I saw it on TikTok where they were like, here's the deals. And then the deals were like non-existent. And there was still like all these TVs and stuff left on the shelves after Black Friday in like a really busy city because one, inflation sucks. And two, there weren't any actual deals. I couldn't even find socks for cheaper than like 15 bucks for my kids. Socks? Socks. Children's socks. My daughter needed children's socks, new socks. And yeah. (laughs) They were all like $15 and that was on sale. And I was like, that's just regular price. That's just me going to Walmart at regular price for socks. Like this is not a deal. No. I don't know what happened. I know that a lot of people, it's not just me. A lot of people are frustrated by it. But you know, like I said, the gift this year is me. Those TikToks were insane though. It was nice to know that my frustration, I wasn't alone in my frustration. Right. Other people felt it too. I found solace in that, at least. I remember when, like, it used to be Black Friday deals, where it was actual deals, 
Where, like, you'd yes. get a Mac laptop for, like, $150. You know what frustrates me, though, is that when they had those deals, we were, like, broke newlyweds that couldn't afford even the best deals. So I was like, one day, one day I'll be able to afford these deals. Like, even like they were good deals. And now it's like I could afford those deals, but they're not giving anyone those discounts. They're keeping it all for themselves. I'm like, well, you can keep all your product too. Libby, they knew. That's been the consensus. The stores were just dead empty. Mm -hmm. There were still all those Black Friday items sitting in the aisles because people are like, forget it. We just won't give you gifts this year. Do you know what I'm really excited for? And um, my husband as... You know, the finance human is not excited for this, but I am so excited for deflation. Yes. And theoretically, it's happening sooner rather than later. As in like when we come back from Italy, there should be a quite a bit of deflation and I'm not even mad about it. Not even a little bit. Like visiting or moving? Because like I would love for that to happen. Moving. Okay. Well. Sadly moving. Um, you're stuck for a little while. Yeah. Just gotta, just gotta survive. We are a two income household and I truly wonder and admire the one income households. Like it's not, I'm not hating on them. I'm just truly impressed at how they're making it work because like I, it's my understanding we are in a recession and <laughs> the, the inflation, just all of the things, all of the math things that I don't like are happening. All the big numbers. <laughs> all the big scary things. All the big scary things. I don't know how people are doing it with one income households and a lot of people that I do know that are one income households have more than one kid. I've only got the one and I'm like, how, how do you make it? How do you survive with more than one child financially? Struggle bussin. We've talked about how much you enjoy your one and only child. And do you think you'd feel different if you had to with how the world is right now? Would you feel more fearful maybe? I think so. When I imagine how much worse things could be, with more kids, it does stress me out more like, man, that because you're multiplying in my in mathematical mind at that point, how much more, I mean, shoot, my kid, she does ballet, and she's got plenty of extracurriculars. And, you know, we like being able to like when they send home the do you want a yearbook? Do you want school photos? Do you want to give them send them a little like we're thinking of you? school gram. You know, we like being able to do those things for her. And I just think of how much harder that would get with more than one, especially because if we did have a second, like right now, that would mean daycare. So then you're paying for daycare. <gasps> yeah. Okay. So the uh, hi podcast, we're real off topic at this point, but it's fine. Um, I, <laughs> I was talking to James about childcare and say I continue to be a photographer when we get home. Thank God. I will be able to do photography in between like nap times and things like that. But I could not imagine how much it costs. So good thing about Italy is they have something called Azilo, which is, or Aslo. I don't remember how to pronounce it. Don't kill me, um, Italians. <laughs> anyway, it is their version of like daycare. And they are like $300 for the whole month. The kids are there from like 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. That includes food. That's like weekly prices in America. Mm -hmm. And the teachers are usually older and treat them like their grandchildren. None of this would happen in the States. No, absolutely not. And so I'm like, okay, there are pros to living over here. And that's a big one for people who have children. Azilo is super cheap. And it's like Nona's old grandma's taking care of your kids. And they treat them like your own children. And everybody's super happy. And it's like, $300 total and groceries here. You can get a full cart of groceries for a hundred bucks. 
Like, I don't want to go home <laughs> specifically for that. I don't know why things have gotten so insane. I was talking to my parents and they were telling me last night that gas prices in their area is like, it's like 350 in their area. And meanwhile here, it's like 240 and it's significantly less than what they're paying. But still, I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is insane. The way things are just fluctuating and just growing and growing and getting more and more out of control. Listen, Linda, the only issue about overseas living is the price of what they call petrol gas. Okay. So it's going to, I'm going to tell you, it's going to sound cheap, right? I pay about a dollar. 90 right now per liter not per gallon per liter i think there's like three liters to the gallon so hold on how many liters you're paying almost six dollars then a gallon yeah why do i know that it's 3.7 liters so we're gonna round up to four right so if i'm paying a dollar 90 per liter times four my gas is seven dollars and 60 cents per liter or my apologies euro so it's more like eight dollars per gallon in Italy. So as much as I can sympathize with being back home and it being $3.60, I would cry for that right now. My Kia, my little baby Kia Soul, guess how much it takes to fill up? Any ideas? Kia Soul. 30 total? Oh, I wish. In the States, it was $25. Literally cost me $25. I almost said euro. $25 to fill up my tank. Well, I thought you were asking me how much to fill it up in the States. You were asking me how much to fill it up in Italy? Oh, in the States, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's a hundred. It's $100 now to fill up in Italy. <sighs> when it was $30 to fill up in the States. Inflation is hitting over here. It's just different. Things here, the cost of living is just generally lower. And so now things are like resembling US prices and people are shocked. When it comes to like having more children. We aren't choosing to not have more children simply because of the expenses. We just are really happy with one. Right. Sometimes I do think about what that cost would be with more people, with more kids to take care of, like eventually mm -hmm. college or a wedding or <laughs> prom or just little, just all sorts of life events, which are fun. Your daughter at prom makes me want to cry. Stop it. I know, right? Or cars or driving and insurance and cell phones and cell phone plans and all of the things that come with having a child. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot per child and... It makes me breathe a little bit easier knowing that, well, we, we only have to worry about the one and we are a two income household. So I know that we're going to be okay. But it also <laughs> makes me secondhand stress for all the friends and family who do have more kids and maybe less income coming in and just the, seeing the way things are going. And then the crappy Black Friday deals, it just is like... On top of it all. The one more thing. <laughs> right. I'm like, why? Why are people so greedy? You've seen the Duggars, right? Like, Oh my gosh. Them 19 kids and yeah. The, the Duggars. 19 kids and counting. Have you seen their grocery bill? I don't, I don't know if I could handle. It's like three grand for the month. I'm sorry. How? We are a family of two plus dogs, and we spend 150 on groceries a week. And I feel like that's pretty good for what it could be, right? For a family of the three of us, uh, it's like 200 or so. So yeah, that's just Okay. Good. I think so. Uh. 2,000. <clears throat> no. I want to know, just not out of judgment, out of curiosity, how people with like that many kids, how, how do you afford? And I, again, not a judgment thing. I would love... Because I'm just interested. No, genuinely want to know. Yeah, like I just want them to show me the budget and explain it to me. Not because I'm being mean, because I sincerely would love to know how you do that. Because like, 
that's teach me your ways because if you are finding a way to feed that many people like what am I doing wrong (laughs) or I mean and both of us really loved eating out and eating like fun food like ramen and like easily prepped things sometimes right and I feel like you would just not have that option I'm not even talking about that being I'm just talking about how do you manage to feed eight plus kids or or even four or five plus kids on a similar grocery budget that like we have with a three-person household rice and beans right (laughs) that's all I feel like there's a lot of creativity that goes into it, though, too. The tighter a budget gets for groceries, the more creative people tend to get in still making their meals stretch and be good. I feel like you have to be. Okay, now that we've talked about inflation. Now that we've given our listeners a little bit of financial anxiety with us. Now that they're all just as worried as we are. They're like, this is super boring. (laughs) Can I lighten the mood? Do you have a question of the week, my friend? Yes. Let's, uh, (laughs) I like this one. This one's a lot lighter and more fun. Abby, what was the first smut-related book you've ever read? I was 12. Abby. And I was working at this place called The Writing Center. It was for horseback riding. Now I realize, just to clarify, it was horseback riding, because we're talking about smut books. Any hoozle. Interesting. I had some older friends there. I've never really... Both of us really were too mature for our ages. And most of my friends were always older than I was. And so when I was 12, all of them were like 16, 18, right? Oh, okay. (laughs) And so we all read something written by Laurel K. Hamilton called the Anita Blake series. Uh, Can I just really quickly read you the summary? Please do. Series synopsis. The series takes place in a parallel universe where supernatural creatures and powers are real and their presence is public knowledge. Supernatural beings are considered citizens with most of the rights of regular humans. (laughs) The novels follow legal vampire ex... You got this, Abby. You can get through this. Executionator. Anita Blake, ongoing conflicts with the supernatural as she attempts to solve a variety of mysteries, come to terms with her own abilities, and navigate an increasingly complex series of romantic and political relationships. Okay. Do you know Je t'aime, I love you in French? Or like, uh, mon ami, my my love, my friend? Okay, so Jean-Claude is the main character, Anita Blake's lover, and he also runs like a BDSM Oh. <laughs> club. Okay. Sex club for vampires. And it's all about that. Yes, there is parts about her being in, like executing vampires and things, but really it's just one big sex story. And I was 12. What about you? I was older. Were you 12? <laughs> when I was 17, I broke up with an ex-boyfriend. And when we broke up, my mom <laughs> gave me the Fifty Shades of Grey book and was like, okay, I'm going to let you read this, but we're not going to talk about it. But this is a for you thing, not a for me thing. I think I was just so, I guess, innocent at the time that I was just like, I don't want to read a book. Like that doesn't make me feel better about like what just happened. And so I tried and like right away, the main female character, her name was Anastasia. And I was like, I don't want to read a period piece about Russians. (laughs) What? I was like, I'm not in the mood for this. 
Like, immediately. I just immediately was like, I'm just not interested. A period piece about Russians. And so, like, I just, like, I gave her the book back, like, the next day. I was like, nah, I'm okay. And she was just like, okay. And my brother and I played a lot of Silent Hill. And, like, that's kind of what got me through. Not that there was much to get through. It wasn't that great of a relationship. But, like, (laughs) that's how... You know, like, I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm moving on with my life. We're going to play a lot of Silent Hill. We played a lot of video games, and, like, that was it. And after Skylar and I, my husband and I, were married, I had heard that it was being made into a movie, and I had remembered the title, and I was like, oh, I'll read it and see what it's going to be about. And so I read it, and I was like, whoa. And then I was like, whoa, Whoa, mom. Um, yeah, I was like, this is like over two or three years later. She was looking out for you. I was just like, mom, like I was, I was impressed that she had read it because I would never have expected her to be into reading anything like that. No, no, you wouldn't. To know that like, she was like cool enough to let me read it at that point. But she was like, here you go. And so I was like, oh my God, like it was earth shattering to me. But so that was my first smutty book I think my first accidental smutty book I think I've talked about this was the never king and that's because book talk was like this is a great book it's a retelling of Peter Pan and Wendy but they're older and they fall in love and I was like oh okay sure and that was all that I was given so I didn't question it and I was like okay like that sounds pretty cool I guess (laughs) and it was again my first interaction with anything within the book talk community and So we go to Barnes and Noble like we do a lot and I'm thinking, oh, like, I wonder if they have it here. And I go and I ask reception lady at the desk, or do you guys have this book? And she's just kind of like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, we can order it for you. I was like, no, it's all right. I was just trying to see what it was about. And she was like, okay. And that was it. And so then I ended up finding the copy on like my nook and I was just like reading through it and I was like, oh my God. Because, like, it was very hard, very hard smut. And it's a Why Choose book, which I didn't know what that was. I didn't know. Do you know what a Why Choose genre is, Abby? Is it like you choose? (laughs) Why Choose is a Why Choose One Person. Why Choose One Partner. Woo! Why Choose One of the Suitable Bachelors when you can have them all. And (laughs) I was not prepared because the only other smut book I had read was Fifty Shades of Grey. And so I was like, oh my God. I was like, am I a prude? Is this, is like, am I that like much of a loser? Like this is too hard for me. And so I was like, I will never read another smut book again. This is too much. And I was like, I'm done with the book talk community. I don't trust it. And then uh, book talk kept suggesting Akatar, And I was like, absolutely not. You're like, at this point, I do not trust it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't trust it. <laughs> And then you were like, this is an amazing book. And I was like, okay, well, Abby's telling me about it. And I trust Abby. And then I got reintroduced to smutty books. And I was like, I found my niche. I found my type of smutty books. Obviously, I I thought I was dipping my toes into the shallow end. I was thrown into the deep end, super unprepared. You were thrown as far deep as you could. (laughs) And I'm not hating. Like, I... If you're into that, those books, like there's, that's totally fine. Yeah, no, of course not. I just was not prepared. I did not expect it or understand what a lot of it meant. And to go from like what felt like zero to a hundred 
so suddenly. <laughs> Buddy, that's a lot. Here I am a Disney adult thinking I'm getting a Disney retelling. <laughs> it was no, it's not. It's not a it's not that. It's not that at all. No, not even close. No. No. <laughs> oh my god. And there is a sequel. <laughs> I never read it. Oh, great. And I know it's a popular book. I know that people really like it. If you like Harder Smut, then totally check it out for real. But if you are babies like Libby and I. I am a romantic. I love. Same. You find your person. You be smutty with that person. The why choose thing was not for me. Oh, so you love you love the mates co- uh, concept. Like that makes you happy, right? Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be mates. But yeah, like I like I like them finding their person. I like that. And I'm okay with like you think it's one person and you find out it's the other. I'm okay with those things. I, I was just not expecting Wendy to try all of the Lost Boys and Peter Pan so many times. Y'all, if you could see my and face. And with mixed combinations and there was just a lot. If you could see my face right now. okay that's fine i I was just mortified and (laughs) i think what made it hard for me was that it was like it was windy from my childhood from (laughs) peter pan and i was just like oh my god yeah buddy i can see why that might be a shock it was a lot it was a lot for me (sighs) Okay, well, I'm glad we found our books. When people usually ask me, like, what was your first smut book? I, a little bit of PTSD where I'm like, (laughs) but that's not, that wasn't technically it. You're like, you don't want to know. And again, it's not a bad book. It just wasn't my book. So I don't, I don't want the author to like somehow find us and listen and it's like, wow, okay. Oh, there's no way. This chick, (laughs) I know. But still, if you like those books, that's okay. There, you can tell us all about it, but don't mislead me like book talk telling me. Yeah, please don't tell me it's like PG-13. And And I knew that there was like, there was probably, there was some spice. Like I wasn't like unaware. I just wasn't made as aware as I should have been at the level. It doesn't sound like you were made aware at all. That sounds like a lot. I felt like I was walking in very blind to that book. I was not expecting what I ended up with. It's like those pictures where it's like what I ordered, what I got, and it, yeah. <laughs> Versus what I got. Can we never speak of Neverland again? <laughs> the, the Never King? <laughs> yeah. Because now I'm only going to think about that. <laughs> and uh, from now on, we'll stick to our favorite book. <laughs> Actually, our least favorite of our favorite books. Let's re- be real. Now that we're at the very end, I still don't like this we book. Are. We're there at the very end. This is the last set of chapters for A Court of Florence and Roses. I'm so excited. Well, you kind of got gypped. I feel like, yeah, I I went from having some very long chapters the last couple of episodes to like one page. SJM just knew. Libby's going to have this chapter after a lot of long ones. She's like, Libby talks a lot. She already has a lot to say. We need to bring that down a notch. No, 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 no. But are you ready? I am. I am ready because I know that with the end of this book comes the beginning of, a, of my favorite. So a much, much better book. With that being said, chapter 45, Farrah felt far, distant and unattached from her body. And yet she could still see. She was seeing through eyes that weren't her own as they rose from a cracked, bloodied floor. Farrah saw her body face down on the ground and head snapped in an unnatural position. Lucian was upon them, tears in his eyes, as he removed his fox mask. 
He was beautiful, scars and all. The eyes she watched through looked to Tamlin, who was facing her now dead body. Tamlin's face, still adorned with his mask, turned animalistic as he turned to Amarantha and snarled. His fangs lengthened and Amarantha backed away from Feyre's corpse. She whispered, please, and a golden light exploded. Amarantha was thrown against the back wall as Tamlin roared out, shaking the mountain and launched upon her. He shifted fully into his beast form, fur, claws, and lethal muscle. Tamlin's beast form cracked the wall with Amarantha's body and tore her to shreds as she shrieked and lashed at him. A golden wall encompassed around Tamlin, and Amarantha could not touch him. The adder and several guards made their way to assist Amarantha, but numerous fae tackled them in their path. Lucian threw a sword to Tamlin, and he drove it through Amarantha's head in the stone beneath her. His jaw closed around her throat, and he ripped it out. The room was silent. The eyes Pharaoh was seeing through looked down at her deceased body, and she realized whose eyes she was seeing through. Rhysand. Tamlin returned to his human form and rushed to Pharaoh before Rhysand could get any closer. Tamlin fell to his knees and cradled Pharaoh's decimated body. His tears fell upon Pharaoh. Tears turned to sobs. Lucian whispered, No. And many of the surrounding high fae silently cried for Pharaoh as they watched. Lucian's father approached and reached out his hand to extend a small spark of light that fell upon Pharaoh, vanishing into her chest. One by one, the fellow high lords approached, offering the same. Tamlin bowed his head in gratitude as they did. Rhysand stepped forward, Pharaoh's lingering soul along with him, and spoke to Tamlin. The high lords would bestow what their predecessors had given so few, all for what Pharaoh had given to them. This would make them even. Pharaoh felt Rhysand's humor as he spoke the last part, and felt Rhysand's spark of light falling upon her. Tamlin brushed Feyre's hair aside and whispered, I love you. Tamlin kissed Feyre and laid his hand upon her heart. And that's it. And that was chapter 45 and all of its glory. (laughs) And that's it. It's so short. I love it. We all deserve a short chapter every now and then. And you know what? I tried to make the most of it. (laughs) And Bestie didn't even leave it on that much of a cliffhanger. I'm proud of her. Good for her. If you're ready for my novel now. (laughs) Book two, presented by Abby. Do you remember the chapter where Alice threw up all the info? I still think about that. Oh my gosh. I was going through the book today and all I saw was the 17 pages of green highlighted material of Alice throwing up. That's how I feel. You know, Alice's novella. (laughs) A whole novel. She had her own moment. Chapter 46. Everything around Pharaoh was black, but slowly she swam her way through the darkness to the surface where Tamlin and life waited for her. Suddenly, she was back, laying on the cold stone floor, without any pain, without any broken bones. Pharaoh took in the intricate chandelier above her and the sounds of the crowd around her and realized that she, in fact, was not dead. Pharaoh went to push herself up off the floor and then immediately froze. Her fingers were longer. Her skin held a strange light to it. She was stronger, and then it hit her. Feyre was now high Fay. She felt Tamlin approach, but she remained frozen. The realization that she was alive, not dead, and now high Fay was all too much. Tamlin held his breath and said, It was the only way we could save you. She looked at the wall and saw her. Below Claire's now decaying body was Amarantha, with a fancy new addition of a sword through her forehead and a missing throat. Amarantha was finally gone. She and Tamlin were free. Amarantha was dead. But Feyre had killed those two innocent high fae. She had done that. The world became fuzzy at the edges. 
She started to ask Tamlin if he was back to his former self, but he only said for her to see for herself. She turned around, keeping her eyes on the floor, and saw there, lying on the ground, the gold mask of her high lord. Tamlin's fingers gingerly grasped Feyre's chin and lifted her face to meet his eyes. He looked exactly how Feyre had dreamed. She might have gone through hell to live to see this moment, but she couldn't think about that now. Maybe in a day, a minute, or an hour, but not now. Feyre found herself on the edge of her bed while Tamlin healed the last of her injuries. Feyre might have physically been in that room, but she was mentally miles away. She killed them murdered them. She didn't even watch their bodies as they were taken out of the room. Everything after she came back to this world was a blur and nothing felt real. Tamlin was surrounded by his kingdom, their kingdom. Each fae came forward with smiles and or tears, thanking both Tamlin and Feyre for what they had endured. Feyre stayed back because how was she supposed to respond when yes, she had freed them, but only because she had killed others. Meeting after meeting took place in the throne room. The high lords met to discuss how things were to move forward and Tamlin met with his sentries, but everything was too loud, too bright, and this new body, she felt her senses being kicked into overdrive and it was all just too much. Finally, he noticed that she wasn't okay and found a quiet bedroom for them to adjourn to. That had brought them to this moment. He was staring at her after saying her name and only her name. What is it? She asked, her voice hollow. She knew she should attempt to sound happier, but she couldn't do it. Not after everything that had happened. How could she be happy when she should be on her knees begging the families of the two fallen fairies for forgiveness? How can I ever repay you for what you did? came from her lover's voice. You don't need to, she replied. Tamlin held her face in his hands and leaned close before letting her face go to reach for her left arm, the tattooed one. I don't want to talk about it, she said softly. We'll find a way out of this, was all he said. Feyre couldn't stand to talk about this right now, so she told him that they would talk about it later. She needed a distraction from the darkness clouding her mind. Her feet hooked around his and she pulled him closer. She didn't want to talk. She wanted this. She wanted to remind herself that this was real, that he was real. He leaned down to softly kiss her, which was nothing like the last kiss they had shared. It was gentle almost sympathetic in exactly what Feyre didn't want or need. She gripped the front of his shirt and pulled him closer to her to kiss her deeper. A growl came from his throat, sending wildfire through her down to her core. She leaned into the fire, letting it burn through every dark thought in her head. She broke the kiss to look into his now hungry eyes. His hand stopped exploring her body to rest on her hips as Feyre traced his face, kissing everywhere she touched. His hands began to move again, teasing her along the way. Her fingers reached his mouth and he bit down on one of them. There wasn't any pain, but it made her meet his eyes again. She could tell they were both done waiting. So she lost herself to him, let herself burn in the fire that was their passion. She lived for his kisses, one for every day they'd spent apart, every wound and terror, a kiss for her forever marked arm and all the days that they would spend together after this. Days Feyre wasn't even sure she deserved. Feyre was pulled from her slumber. She left Tamlin in bed knowing that they'd be leaving the mountain in a few hours and he needed all the sleep he could get. It was the first peaceful sleep Tamlin had had in far too long. She found herself at a set of stairs and began to climb. She knew who woke her and was calling her before she stepped out into the balcony, into sunlight. She shielded her eyes from the too bright daylight, daylight she was shocked to see considering she had thought it was the middle of the night, being under the mountain for so long had extinguished her sense of time. There stood Rhysand, wings and all, laughing at her. She asked what he wanted, but as much as she tried, there was no bite behind her words. She couldn't bring herself to be mean to him right now, not after he'd fought over and over again for her, just to save her from Amarantha. Just to say goodbye before your beloved whisks you away forever. She reminded him it wasn't forever by wiggling her left hand and asking, didn't he get her one week of every month? How could I forget? He replied, why? 
Feyre asked. She didn't even need to clarify her question because he knew what she meant. Because when the legends get written, I didn't want to be remembered for standing on the sidelines. I want my future offspring to know that I was there and that I fought against her at the end, even if I couldn't do anything useful, because I didn't want you to fight or die alone. Feyre had flashbacks to the fairy who had died in their foyer, and those exact words she had said to Tamlin. Feyre thanked him, but Reese only replied that he doubted she'd be saying that when he took her to the night court. She asked if he was going to fly home, but he said he didn't have the luxury of the time it would take to get there, that someday he would get to taste the skies again. Feyre added that Reese had never told her that he loved flying. She remembered that he made his shape-shifting seem boring and useless. Everything I love has always had a tendency to be taken from me. I tell very few about the wings or the flying. It was morbidly funny. A high lord who loved to fly was trapped under a mountain for so long. How does it feel to be high fae? slipped out the curious question. Feyre wasn't sure why she told him the truth. Maybe it was because nobody was around or because the shadows that haunted the High Lord's eyes also lived in hers. This body is different, but this, she pointed to her heart, this is still human. Maybe it will always be but it would have been easier to live with what I did if my heart had changed too. Maybe I wouldn't care so much. Maybe I could convince myself that their deaths weren't in vain. Maybe immortality will take that away. I can't tell whether I want it to. He stared at her for what felt like an eternity before answering. Be glad of your human heart, Feyre. Pity those who don't feel anything at all. Feyre only nodded. He rolled his neck casually, almost as if they had been talking about the weather and not their shared traumas. Well, Goodbye for now. He began to fade into the shadows when his eyes found hers. They were wide and wild, his nostrils flaring to show a look of pure shock flashing across his face. He stumbled back a step. The High Lord of the Night Court stumbled. Feyre couldn't get a word out before he completely disappeared. Hours later, Tamlin and Feyre left the mountain the same way she had come in. Their home for the last few months was destroyed and sealed to forever remain under the mountain. With a wave of Tamlin's hand as they left... The entrance to the court crumbled behind them. Feyre had never been told what happened to the two she'd murdered and didn't have the strength to ask about them. Maybe someday. She did know that Amarantha's body had been burned, but somehow Jerrion's bone and eye were missing. Feyre wanted to hate Amarantha for everything she'd done, but couldn't bring herself to do so. Some small part of her understood why Amarantha had done what she had, what drove her to that point of madness. Hand in hand, the two made their way through the darkness, and as the sun rose, they stepped into the spring green grass that marked the start of the spring court their land. Feyre smelled the scent of wildflowers in the breeze, and even though the dark pit of her heart remained, she couldn't help but smile. Her strong fey legs helped her reach the top of the knoll where she laid eyes on the rose-covered manor. Home. Not in her wildest dreams had she let herself believe that she'd ever be here again, but she'd done it. She'd brought them both home. She squeezed his hand as they both took in the sight before them. Then came the sounds of two children laughing. The laughter sounded like freedom to Feyre's ears. Before her, she saw Alice and her two boys out of hiding and free at last. Feyre found herself pulled into Tamlin, his cheek resting on her head. Her lips trembled as she wrapped her arms around his waist. They stood there in silence, taking it all in, until Lucian called them into dinner. Feyre knew she'd have to face what happened in the last few months, face the evil that she had done, but for today, she would not. Let's go home, she said. It's over! The end. It's done. I only had to read Smout one more time. So many feelings, so many thoughts, as per usual. That concludes our book. This is the end. Amarantha has been killed. Feyre survived. She and Tamlin got their intimate moment. Yeah, she survived, but girls got PTSD. Yeah. Like, real bad. Yeah, well, the way that she was avoiding wanting to discuss things, usually a sign that you're struggling. 
not wanting to have to face the reality of the bad things that happened. Hey, Libby, remember how at the beginning of the season we said that uh, the whole family needs therapy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right now, Farrah really needs some uh, help. She's a struggle bussin. Mm, yeah, I have to uh, concur. Do you think Farrah will ever see her family again? I feel like she has to. But is it going to be awkward as hell now that she's uh, a shocker here? Whole high fae? Probably. Mm. That just sounds like a lot. Do you think they're going to wear their silver dangly bracelets against her? I don't know. Are they going to call the children of the blessed? (laughs) I hope my family doesn't hear this because that'll be awkward to explain. But have you ever felt ostracized by your family? Like you were an outsider? Yeah. Okay, right. So that's like a normal human emotion. Now add the fact that you're completely a different being now. Like how awkward our family dinner is going to be at this point. Super uncomfy. So to reiterate, do I think she will? Yes. I don't think it'll go well, especially with the fact that the two sisters always wear iron. Be like, hey, sis, can you take that off so I don't die, please? (laughs) Like that's going to be an awkward conversation. I mean, she already told them that silver does nothing. But it's like, that's just a joke. Right. You know what? I'm sure that Elaine still wore it because she was like, you just never know. (laughs) They live in that new manor and life is good now. And I think if she came back and was in this fey body, would they even want to talk to her? I know that sounds harsh, but like realistically. I feel like Elaine would be willing to kind of hush hush meet up with her. I'm not sure about Nesta because Nesta seemed to have like, a seething hate for anyone that was even friendly to the Fae. <sighs> Nesta's a lot. I call her Emily in my head. Yeah? Again, that's my sister. I still think of her as my sister sometimes. So I just, I know that she's a lot. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to go well. I don't know if it's everything Feyre is going to hope it it would be. And at this point, honestly, I don't even know if Feyre should go home. You know, sometimes you're better without certain people and things in your life. Do you think it would benefit Feyre to go home though? Like, do you think in the long run it could be good for her if she did go back now as Fey? No, because the whole human world hates the Fey. Why? No. I think more than anything, it would be for Feyre wanting to see her family. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only reason I think she'd want to go home. I think that Feyre is too thoughtful. Like she wouldn't want to put them at risk and she wouldn't want to put them in a position where they would be uncomfortable being around her. Okay. So I don't know that she would go back because she'd be too worried about how it would affect them and not so much about what she needs from them. I think right now she's just happy to be in her quote new home. Alive. (laughs) Not under the mountain. Alive with Tamlin. Your favorite man in the entire world. I mean... I guess they got a happy ending, so... Let me consult the Holy Bible. That is the book of Akatar. Page 408. What I had done to get to this moment to be standing here. I shoved against the thought again. In a minute, in an hour, in a day, I would think about that. Force myself to face it. (sighs) Then she talks about how she isn't even sure she deserves the days with him. She says, A kiss for each day we spent apart. Kiss for every wound and terror. A kiss for the ink etched into my flesh. And for all the days we would spend together after this kiss. Days perhaps that I no longer deserved. But I gave myself again to that fire. Threw myself into it. And I let myself be. It's just over and over and over again. And then when she gets back to the the manor. She's like, I brought us both home. But at the same time, there would be a tomorrow. An eternity to face what I had done. To face what I shredded into pieces inside myself. While under the mountain. Girls uh, going through it. I mean, would do right. But she's still going through it. I mean, she even talked about while killing those two fae about how she might just kill herself just so that she doesn't have to deal with the emotional trauma of what was happening. What are your thoughts and feelings on that? I hate hearing that. I hate the gut-wrenching 
feeling of knowing that she's going through those emotions, but I know it's not something anyone can fix for her. I think trying to put myself in her shoes and her mindset, I can understand how she got led to feel the way she feels. That doesn't mean I like it or that I want that to happen or that I would support her acting upon those feelings. I will stand by the statement that the whole family still needs therapy and we're adding Tim Tam into the mix now. He also needs therapy. I don't think any of them ever stopped needing therapy. I think their need for therapy has only grown. It has only increased at this point. They have only gotten more traumatized, more chaotic, more toxic. I gotta tell you, I absolutely loved when Reese was like, they obviously were talking about shared traumas and having like a really deep conversation about all the things that were really upsetting with them. And then at the very end, Reese just rolls his neck and is like, all right, bye. All right, see ya. Also, why the heck did that man, as he's leaving, look at her with panic and fear in his eyeballs? I feel like that's the cliffhanger. That was the thing that made me really feel like, well, I have to keep reading. <laughs> Screw it. I gotta keep reading. Everything was too happy of an ending, sort of, <laughs> despite all the trauma that didn't get addressed. Oh, that we're glossing over. Right. But had she not left off with Reese just like losing his fucking mind and taking off, I could have just been like done with the books from there. Do you really think without that you wouldn't have continued reading? I don't think I would have read it as fast. I don't think I would have been like, well, now I need to know. Now I need an answer because you just ended the book and that was too weird. Even with me begging you to read it? I mean, I would have read it, but I don't think I would have like gone on to the next book as quickly. Picked up the next one. Okay, that makes sense. Because it, it really is once you start, you can't stop kind of thing. Oh yeah. One of my favorite quotes... And it's not really a quote. I guess a quote from the book itself. Okay. Nobody said it. <laughs> that was not a quote then. Like nobody said it. It's just I'm quoting the book, not a character. Oh, that's okay. It said, I was pulled from my sleep by something tugging at my middle. A thread deep inside. Immediately took me back to Fire Night. Immediately took me back to the invisible thread telling her to go. Go see. <gasps> Tell me that wasn't a nod. And she said it was Mr. Reese. Yes. Reese's Pieces. Tell me that wasn't a nod. I can't. Also, this is so good I had to eat some cookies because the, <laughs> the tea is getting so good I had to dip it in my tea. No, that 100% had, had to be race. And now that just makes me wonder. More things. One, why the heck is he freaking out and leaving? Two, why do they have such a strong bond? Right. She seems more attached to Reese-Am than Tamlin. Like more of a closeness. Do you want proof of this? Mm-hmm. I got proof. Always. Hold on. Let me bring out the Bible again. It's during that conversation. When she asked him, like, what do you want? Because he called her out there, right? She says, it didn't come out with a snap I'd intended. Not as I remembered how he'd fought again and again to attack Amarantha to save me. He really did. He fought so hard, not just at the end, but throughout her being under the mountain to keep her alive and to keep her going. Yeah, girl. And what the hell? Excuse my French. What the fuck did Tamlin do? Nothing. I mean, he... He went into a beast rage at the very end. Oh, so his toxic masculinity came out and he got angry. Ooh. He got to throw a fit and claim the victory when he didn't put in any of the legwork. He got to have a massive temper tantrum and then get thanked for it. Right. He got the glory of killing the woman that sexually assaulted Rhysand over and over and over and tortured, brutally tortured Feyre, but he got to swoop in and, and claim that victory, that win. That still makes me angry. Even Lucian 
I feel like would have deserved to have killed her more than Tamlin did. Anyone! That final blow should have gone to anybody else. Okay, if this was thrown of glass, you know Rowan would have let Aelin do it. Yes. He would have saved it for her. Sorry. So I get obviously, obviously Feyre couldn't do anything. She couldn't have claimed the kill for her own. She was dead at this point. But... I feel like Rhysand deserved it. Lucian deserved it. Literally, either of the families of the two Fae that were killed, so many people deserved to claim that kill than Tamlin. Tamlin literally just had to sit there. Tamlin took it from everyone. He did. He just had to sit there and watch other people get tortured. He didn't have to, to to really go through anything. I know if you want to be mad at me and you want to say that, yeah, he had to beat Lucian fine, whatever. I'll give him that. That sucked. That was a crappy situation, but that doesn't come nearly as close to having to be the one being beaten by your best friend. I still don't think that Tamlin was the one who deserved to take that kill away. I feel like Rhysand stuck his head out, his neck out more. Lucian stuck his neck out more. They did more to save and help Feyre than Tamlin did every step of the way. And But Tim Tam got all the credit. Of course he did. (laughs) Which like, what the fuck? People were coming up and thanking him, Libby. Thanking him for what? Being a punk ass bitch? I don't know why they would thank him. Maybe because in their mind he he killed her so he gets the credit. But what stood out to me was Rhysand talking to Feyre saying, when she had asked him like, why did you do this? Like, why did you help me? And he's like, you know, when the legends get written. Oh, that's my favorite quote. Yeah, he's, do you want to read it then real quick? Yeah, I can read my favorite quote from the chapter. My last favorite quote from this book. I don't want to take that away from you. (laughs) A little nostalgic. He said, this is page 413, because when the legends get written, I didn't want to be remembered for standing on the sidelines. I wanted my future offspring to know that I was there and that I fought against her at the end, even if I couldn't do anything useful. And then down a little bit. I didn't want you to fight alone or die alone. That part, I didn't want you to fight or die. That's also another quote I had highlighted. But to me specifically, when he is saying when the legends get written, and to me, that says he did so much behind the scenes that nobody would ever know. Like he pacified Amarantha by sleeping with her, but Mm -hmm. then he's also helping Feyre to survive and get out of these games and helping her cheat and win and do whatever she asked you to live. And nobody will ever know that. So he's worried about the legends are going to get written and I'm going to look like I helped Amarantha. And he's like, I want people to know I didn't. And here we go. Tamlin didn't do shit. He actually didn't do anything. And he's going to be written as a hero. People are thanking him as a hero. Meanwhile, Rhysand did so much and he will get no credit. He doesn't say, I want to be known as the hero. No. He says, I want to be known as somebody who didn't just stand there and let it happen. Which, who stood there and let it happen? Tim and Tam, the ice cream man. The ice cream man? Yeah, I'm changing it. That's great. It gutted me. It gutted me to know that Tamlin literally did that. He did nothing. He did just stand there. And he will get written and go down as the hero here. And Rhysand knows it. And he's like, I don't, like, he's like, I just don't want people to think of me as the person who did that. Meanwhile, the person who did that gets all the glory. Okay, here's here's something I don't enjoy. Feyre was obviously very uncomfortable in her new Fey body. I feel like he should have, Tam should have noticed quicker. She said there were all of these meetings. Why would he though? And her head just hurt. And I'm not defending him. I'm not defending him. But no. looking at Tamlin's history, when has he ever gone out of his way to notice any of Feyre's feelings or emotions that weren't 
obviously blatant. When she was pissed and ripping th- roses and thorns out of the garden, he's like, you just seem mad. Well, no shit, Sherlock. She seems mad. She's being very obvious. Are you upset? But when she's not blatantly saying, I'm uncomfortable, why would he dig deeper? Why would he ever do anything more than, than looking at surface level? Because with your husband, because I know this is with my husband, it, the minute I am uncomfortable in a situation, the minute he notices and he gets me out of it, mm-hmm. or he will take me to the side and be like, are you okay? What's going on? The minute my aura or my anything changes, my husband's there. What is wrong? How can I help? When your vibe ain't vibing. Right. Right. And I feel like that is a true sign of somebody who knows you and loves you, knows when you're upset. What does this man do? Literally nothing. Literally, he makes her sit there. He doesn't even like look over to make sure she's okay. And Favor even says like, I backed away. It was too much. I was overwhelmed. And it just makes me really sad that like he didn't take a second to look over at her and be like, hey, is the woman who risked her whole life for me and like saved me and literally everybody in this room, is she doing okay? Because she just went through some traumatic shit by killing people. The one that was just dead minutes ago. She was just dead. Yeah, does she need some help? I'm sorry. If my loved one was just dead and then given back to me, no part of me would be focused on anyone but them. Oh, Libby, you, you mean you wouldn't have meetings? No. No. Like, do I get that that needed to happen? Yes. I understand they need to figure out how the world is going to go, like, is going to work from now on. But you know what could have waited? Taking care of the woman that just had to murder people for the first time in her life who's a literal child. And in their scheme of life, a child. I'm mad and frustrated. I don't agree with the meetings happening right at this moment. I get that, yeah, you're right, it needed to happen. But she literally just got brought back to life. Can we get a, biz- a business week? I don't know, something? <laughs> A business week. Can I have something to give her like a second? Call me back in three to five business days and we'll go from there. Like, can we just, can we breathe? Can we just take a moment? Can we go out into the sunlight, into the fresh air? Just something that we've been deprived from. Why? Yeah, can you get her out from under a fucking mountain? I don't know. How about you have Lucian, your, what was he called? Your emissary? Can he step in for you? I feel like he can handle these things. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lucian could take over. Maybe. (laughs) They can still proceed. No. Okay. It was a lot. Selfish. It was a lot, friend. That was one of the moments where I was like, okay, but that's your lover. That is your partner. That is something that you should very much be aware of. There were more things, going back to Reese and Feyre talking on the balcony, where Reese had mentioned to her, you know, everything I love has always had a tendency to be taken from me. I really want to know Oh, my heart. (laughs) I need more. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot to unpack. And you've only given us a couple of pages left here. That's not, I know it's not going to get addressed. Obviously, he ends up panicking and taking off a few pages later anyway. So I was like, dang it, SJM. She's like, you thought you were done. He just goes, everything I love has always been taken away from me. All right, cracks neck. Bye. (laughs) Ooh. I'm sorry. What? Like what, Reesan? Because we, I, and at that moment, it makes me realize there's so much more about him we still don't know. Oh, he's a stranger, dude. Which is crazy because I feel like we got to know so much about Reese, more about Reese than we did about Tamlin. I feel like we know more about Lucian than we know about Tamlin. There's so much more history, so much more that got unpacked with being under the mountain with Reesan and with Lucian even. 
uh, Tamlin still just remains this big question mark of we don't know a whole lot more than his father and brothers were shitty and then his mother was killed. Okay, I have a question. Between the beginning and the end of this book, have your thoughts about Tim Tam changed? I'm just more suspicious of him. I think I wasn't a big fan from the start of him. I didn't appreciate a lot of his rage and his toxic masculinity. I didn't appreciate the way he spoke to and about people. I don't like how immediately everything is just violence and and wrath and fury and (laughs) just assumptions. There's a lot of assumptions made on his end. And I feel like he's only proven my frustration with him right over and over again. And he's only been more concerned with himself and selfish and wrapped up in his own wants and desires. It makes me wonder what the fuck, what are the next four books going to look like with this man? You know, (laughs) Uh, what about you? You mean you don't want to hear his his drama for the next um, four books? I don't know how this can continue on. He's going to need a very strong character development for me. I'm going to need some major growth, some major... (laughs) character arc something i need to see his character growth when i first read these books i was tipped off by tiktok that he wouldn't be my favorite person okay okay that was fine with me okay because i was like you know what i'm sure i'll make my own opinions and when i finished this book for the first time i still really liked him so i knew to be worried Mm -hmm. and i didn't see as many red lights as I do now are red flags. But reading this for the second time, trying not to, quote, know what I know. Right. I do not think he's a good man and I do not like him as a character. It makes me wonder how the first time around, we were so willing to miss these things. How we were so willing to look the other way at so many red flags and think, oh, that's, that's cute. That's him caring. Meanwhile, At the same time, are we doing the reality check of if this were a real person talking and treating me this way? Would you be okay with it? Exactly. Would I be understanding? Would I be willing to forgive? Would I be okay? Would I be running the other direction? (laughs) I totally get how the first read around is very easy to miss these things and to root for Tamlin and Feyre and to think, oh, good. But it's really hard when, especially the way we've done this, going two chapters at a time and dissecting and diving so deep and really thinking and and taking it all apart. It's really hard to do it this way and not see those things and not question and be frustrated with the way he acts and treats people. (sighs) Well, and I know we both, or at least I do, I'm pretty sure you do too, do the excited read where like, you know it's such a good part, so you read quicker than you would normally. And honestly, you skip stuff, but it's so good that you can't help it. Yes. A lot of this book was like that to me. I just wanted to devour it as quick as possible, you know, once I got off the uh, painkillers. Yeah. So now going back, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) how did I miss X, Y, and Z? How did I not see that this man didn't take care of her at all and instead of trying to get her out, just try to have sex with her? Like, how did I miss these things? Looking back now, I'm like, I feel like an idiot. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. I don't know if it's disappointing with myself that the first read through, going through it, I was so excited for Tamlin or that he's just like this at all. Like, it's frustrating to know that Feyre is, I I feel like we all have a bit of Feyre in us. We're all looking the other way. We're all not uh, taking in those red flags. And then once you go back and you're taking a closer look, you're like, 
Oh. Elizabeth, have we talked about my ex-fiance on here? We have, but not, I don't think to the listeners understanding always, but yeah. Uh, Darling listeners, it's real easy in real life to ignore red flags. Like uh, maybe your fiance having a wife. Or... Maybe being deployed, but not really. Or um, like lying about deployments. I mean, it is real easy for this to happen. Maybe having a dead mother that's not really dead. Oh, maybe having a mom die from brain cancer, but then she finds out to be alive. What I'm saying is... Lots of things. It sounds like, oh, I'd notice that. (laughs) And you don't. So, like, I get why Bessie uh, made us all love him. I am glad to get the experience of, quote, reading it again for the first time and to be able to dive in. And honestly, I remember so much more about this book now from going, you know, a whole half of a year (laughs) dissecting it week by week. Yes. That when people say things, I'm like, eh, that's not true. Like, if they try to say something that happened in the first book that I know didn't, I'll be like, uh, actually, actually, this is what (laughs) happened. Or like, if somebody asks like random lore questions, now I know the answers to them. But I just cannot wait to get to your comfort book. Yes. My second favorite of the series and get to move off of this book, which I have enjoyed reading. Yes. But am very, very excited to say goodbye to. I think the big appeal to keep reading too was when I saw just how much bigger the books got after Akatar. Yeah. I was like, why are they huge, Abigail? Why are they double, if not more? What is happening? I think you even asked me that. You're like, uh, are these a necessity to be that big? And I was like, yes. I think we'll learn too, as we're going through, it'll be fun to see what more we pick up on trying to read it through fresh eyes again on those next books. Although I could probably recite the next one. I'm like, maybe word for word, you could tell me how the next one goes. Guys, how many times have you listened to this book, Lib? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> a lot. Literally. Oh, If God. you had to put a number on it. Um, I could probably, I, gosh, I've, I think I've like sat, like read, read it like three times and then like listened to the audiobook. Oh, God, I feel like you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be shot like 10 or more times, I'm sure. It's all the way through. All the way through. Um, oh, uh, no, it's fine. You know what, though? Look. It's no, Libby. You know, explanation needed. If I'm cleaning, if I'm cooking, if I'm driving, if I literally anything where I'm not communicating with another person and I want something on in the background, it's kind of my go to to just kind of throw it on. It is literally a comfort thing. I, I love it. I get the, all the joy parts of my brain light up. It's it's a whole thing. It's <sighs> no, I'm very happy for you. It is not weird at all. Don't say it like that. <laughs> no, I'm being supportive. I'm trying. Thanks for your attempt. <laughs> no, I have listened to Silver Flames on Audible at least six times. I do want to say I've thrown in Fourth Wing to the mix. I would hope so. Oh yeah, those are both comfort book. My comfort book collection uh, for Audible is expanding. Don't worry. Okay, it is not just one book any longer, guys. It's not just one book. All right, look, we only get one free Audible choice a month. So I, and I just started that subscription this year. So I've been pacing and I made a new rule for myself that before I pick out a next book. I have to finish the one I'm listening to. What if it's 
a re-listen. Oh, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. If it's okay. it's a first listen through, I have to finish my first listen through and then I can like go get a new book to add to the library. That makes sense. Okay, that that is fine. But the good thing about being married, my husband's Audible and my Audible are synced up. So now he can listen to them too, which has been working out because uh, I have a lot of the Throne of Glass books. I think I'm missing two of them yeah. on Audible. So he'll be able to use those. Because usually when he goes and... Uh, You've had to save up those credits, girl. No, I those I didn't use credits on. Those, uh, I waited for those Audible sales where it's like uh. 3 or $4. Yeah, I'm not kidding. When I, I'm, I'm still salty about Black Friday deals. I Nothing makes me happier. Guys, she is queen of the Black Friday deals. I love, I love when someone's like, I got you this great gift and I got it for like ridiculously cheap. I'm like, oh, yes. I realize that's a Midwestern I, thing, right? I guess it is because it. like I... If you're telling me you spent like a shit ton of money on me, that hurts me. I want to know that you found something I wanted and liked and you saved so much money on it. And I'm just like, thank God. Yes. Like that is like giving me the gift twice. I do want to tell you the fact that I had to put the price point on your Christmas present made me literally cringe. And I said, ma'am, do I have to fill this out? And she goes at the post office, she goes, well, do you want the package delivered? Oh, <laughs> no. Said, yeah, and she goes, you know the answer. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well. So yes, I feel your pain on that. Could you say that with less sass? God. No, she was funny. I liked her. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what I mean. A good deal is always the best. Anytime I get my husband something, I'm like, but I got it on sale. Audible's been really good about SJM sales on her books a lot. So I tend to get email notifications and it'll be like, hey, one of your books on your wish list uh, is super cheap right now. Smart. So, yep. I just wait for those emails or like Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Th those have been pretty decent. I know that speaking of which, A Court of Mist and Fury right now, it's obviously going to be way too late for our listeners, right now is on sale on Audible. So Next season. You want to tell what's going on? You want to tell them that we, we're not quitting the podcast? Oh, so you mean, you know that we're not quitting the podcast after this book has been over yeah yeah no we're gonna keep on we're gonna keep going so darling listeners season three actually not season two libby chill out season three will be continued january 4th it's gonna start with second book a court of mist and fury and we will pick up right there and it's gonna be a lot of fun because it's my favorite. They can't get rid of us. They can't. They can't shake us. They're stuck for it. We're here forever. No, that was literally it. <laughs> Could you imagine if we were like, bye? Eventually, we will make our way through all of the books in the Akatar series. We will either go to Crescent City right after, which I think I, my vote is go to Crescent City and then throw in a glass because that's how I read it. But we can figure it out from there. Ma'am, if we get th to Throne of Glass, this will be a, that will be like a four-year adventure. <laughs> and I will be so proud of us. Because it took us a half of a year to get through one of the shortest books. Oh my gosh. You're right. I hope our listeners still like us at that point. In four years, could you imagine? In four years. Oh my god. Well, we have a Star of the Week. Ooh. We have a very cool Star of the Week this week, actually. We do. I am fangirling really hard specifically because I've listened to her music over and over recently. Yes, she said music. We have a legit music. I mean, listen, we've had our um, wonderful human who does our theme song, our comment. We love her. But right now, um, 
Our star of the week is Kings Elliot, which what a cool name. I know, right? I love that name. She is a music artist who calls herself a sick puppy. <laughs> Literally, her. that's her bio. <laughs> sick puppy. She's so cute. She does like, listen, I would like to call it emo music, but I don't know if that's still the way to call it. She's very seen. Like, it's given me 2000 scene vibes. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. She's got the the uh, the hair, the raccoon hair, raccoon tail hair. Are you talking? She's and then the like early 2000s punk emo. Yeah. 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 She's cool as hell. And if I could look half as cool as this woman, I would sell my entire soul. But since I'm giving such an interesting description of her, she's actually going to tell you all about herself right now. For real, she's super pretty, and she sounds amazing. And when I grow up, I want to be her. So yes. Hi, Abby and Libby. It's Kings Elliot here. I'm so excited to be featured on your podcast, A Court of Thorns and Podcasts. (laughs) I wanted to send this message to you guys ages ago, but I've been so ill. I guess like everyone at the moment, but I am pretty much recovered now. And yeah, I'm just going to tell you about myself. So my name is Kings Elliot. I'm a singer-songwriter and I'm from London originally from Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland and then I came to London about six years ago. I am half English though, my mum's English, and that's kind of what pulled me to to the UK because, you know, I already had the passport and I really wanted to go to a music school and I wanted to find opportunities to pursue my dreams in becoming a singer and a songwriter because in Switzerland there's very limited opportunities to be honest it's quite a small country and there's not a lot of singers (laughs) I was actually the only one at my school so anyway I came here and I've just been working on music and kind of developing myself and working about 20 jobs honestly so many jobs at the same time trying to keep above water and um, in December no it was November 2020 I finally released my first song called I'm getting tired of me and it was in the middle of lockdown and I guess it was a time where I was struggling a lot mentally, I guess the same as a lot of other people, but I already had a lot of mental health issues. So I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder a few years prior. And that's something that's always been something I struggled with. And then obviously lockdown came and it was just even worse. I was working at a pet store at the time to try and stay above water. You know, it was it was a tough time, definitely. I was just like, I have to put music out there, no matter what happens. So I put it out there independently, without a record label or anything, without any money. And that's kind of where my journey started. It was exactly three years ago now. So that's when it started. And then I put the next song out in January. And I literally... You know, I didn't have a label or anything. And the next thing you know, Reese Witherspoon posted it on her Instagram story. And that was so crazy because I I just didn't know how she even found it. You know, it was crazy. So, but that really like snowballed everything because then I started to get other phone calls from people and people discovering me. And then the next thing, you know, I was invited on tour with Imagine Dragons in the States. So that was my first tour ever was a stadium tour in the USA, (laughs) in America. And it was like, for two months playing stadiums around America. It was just crazy. So I did that. I did that last year. So that was uh, 2022. I then went on tour with them. And yeah, I mean, it's been crazy. I then signed a record deal uh, in America. I live obviously still in the UK. And then things have just been really fun and interesting and crazy. I was able to leave my job at the pet store and I've been touring the world with different artists. I then went on tour with Stephen Sanchez this year. It was actually in February, also through the US, which 
was really cool. And I did a couple of tours in, in Europe and playing my own headline shows. And yeah, I mean, it's just been a bit of a crazy journey, really fun. I'm so happy that it's finally sort of happened for me because I was in London for a while, just doing everything I could to make this my job, you know, and I'm so happy that it finally is. And this year is when I then also discovered my love for reading. Beforehand, I feel like I barely had any time or space in my mind to do anything other than music or working. And then this year, obviously, thanks to TikTok, I found found a bunch of amazing books and one of them being A Court of Thorns and Roses, which I'm now actually on the third book. So A Court of Wings and Ruins and I'm like halfway through. So I'm not even done with that one yet. In the meantime, Iron Flame came out because I did read Fourth Wing as well. So I've had to pivot slightly. So I'm reading Iron Flame at the moment, but I'm then going to go back to Court of Wings and Ruins. And anyway, I obviously I'm obsessed with Farah and Resand. It's just my whole world. I mean, I, I'm just obsessed. I already had that in my mind, that the whole fairy aesthetic of my recent artworks. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but you know, I've got fairy wings and stuff and everything's quite whimsical. And then I started reading the books and I was like, oh my god I want to be a fairy <laughs> so I just yeah I'm obsessed with the whole series um obviously not done with it yet I agree I can't remember who it was it was Abby or Libby that said that Mist and Fury was your comfort book which I completely agree with obviously I haven't read uh was it uh Silver Flames Nesta's book I haven't read that one yet but I know that was the other favorite book of yours um of one of yours and I um yeah Mist and Fury is my favorite book absolute favorite so anyway just wanted to mention that yeah I'm so happy that you guys are featuring me so basically I uh just released my new song Never Be Mine and it came out like a month ago so that I'm super excited about and you know I'd love for anyone out there to hear it if you want to hear it called Never Be Mine and it's uh you know it's quite melancholic emotional in the verses and then in the choruses and towards the end you really get that fury going and it's really quite heart-wrenching and 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 angry <laughs> so I don't know anyone who needs to scream um and get over something you should listen to that and um yeah anyway um sending lots of love to you guys and thank you so much for having me on your podcast and hopefully I'll get to see you guys in person if I ever am on tour near you then obviously you are invited to the show if you want to come sending lots of love and see you soon bye and guys, if you'd like to go give her a follow, she is at Kings, K-I-N-G-S-E-L-L-I-O-T on both Instagram and TikTok. Calling all dreamers. We want to hear from you. Send an email to a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com. Tell us everything, how you found the series, your favorite characters, or questions you have for us. Also, if you like us, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rating on Spotify to help us find more of our bookish friends. Bonus, if you share the podcast with your friends, we will fangirl over you too. So just saying. I will give you cookies. I'll bake you fresh cookies if you share this podcast. I will hypothetically backflip for you. I can't physically do it, <laughs> but hypothetically, sure. <laughs> like how you were like, maybe, possibly. The vibes will be there. My body will not. <laughs> Could you imagine if we tried? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh. Um, a quick reminder that again there will be another season we are not going away please stay and listen to us because uh, we love you okay that's all to the people who listen and the dreams that are answered we will see you next week yes next week we have a tea time surprise we will see you next week <laughs>
<laughs> and remember, don't let the hard days win. Thank you for me from the dark. Here's the main of the fight. It's me taking all my feelings. You in my head, you in my heart. I'm dog. He always talks about the scene where it's the first time that they have sex and SJM did us wrong. Bestie said he sheathed himself inside her. And every time that I talk about Akatari, it's all he says. You just hear the sword. Shing. Literally, he's made that comment.